0: Doing right in a world filled with wrong is not easy. It's not easy today, and it certainly wasn't in Daniel's day either. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can testify to that. But it is always good, and it is always right. Let's listen in to the message today out of Daniel chapter 3, Staying undefiled when under pressure to conform. In that we looked this morning at the actions of Satan and how he carries about his plan. Tonight we're going to look at uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys with him. And we're going to see some of how he combated um, the pressure and the enticings and the things in which Satan will put before your face. So Daniel chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 3. Daniel one verse three it says and the king spake unto Asprenes the master of the eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and the king's seed and the and of the princes children in whom was no blemish but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were, the, were of the children of Judah Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah unto whom the prince of the the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and of of, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine uh, which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, "'I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king?' Then said Daniel to uh, Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenances of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this manner and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray, God, you give us uh, help tonight in the presentation of this message, Lord, and the understanding of this message. And Lord, help us, uh, God, to fully see uh, this great example of Daniel and those three boys and what they did and uh, how we can mimic that in today's day and age. Uh, We'll thank you for it. We'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Set the table here a little bit to uh, make sure we all understand what is happening. In the day of Daniel, the children of Israel had found themselves in bondage to the Babylonians. The children of Israel were God's chosen people. God had redeemed them. God had blessed them. God had done marvelous uh, works through them and with them. But yet, time after time after time after time, the children of Israel turned their back on this God, and they would worship and serve other gods, gods made with hands, gods with no power. And so, the God of heaven, in turn, because of that, put them in bondage. And the Babylonians came and took them in bondage and took them into captivity. And so the children of Israel, those four four young men in which we were speaking of, uh, they were taken into the king's house. And I'm not talking about the king of Israel. I'm talking about the king of Babylon uh, to be servants there. And um, here it is. They are being prepped for this service. They are uh, giving a portion of the king's meat. They're given what the king would drink, to, and and this was the, the choice of meats, right? This was the choice of the wine. This was the best food, at least in man's eyes, that would have been around at that day and time. But yet, we have to understand that through the word of God, God had set dietary restrictions upon his people. They were only supposed to eat certain things. And so therefore, one of the things that Daniel would not do is Daniel did not want to go against the word of God. Daniel wanted to keep himself pure and keep himself holy and abide by uh, what his God had said rather than what the king of the land uh, had said. And we'll see this is actually a recurring theme with these same people throughout this book. See, they lived in a, a day and time that much parallels what we live in today as Christians. Now, we live in America. Thank God for that. Say, man, I'm glad I live in America. Uh, but America is but a shell of its former self. It, the, the morals in which America holds to is not like it used to be. The values in which America holds to is not like it used to be. And so the Christian nation that God had brought up in America has turned its back on the God that brought them up much like The children of Israel and the nation of Israel that God had brought up, that God had blessed, just as He has done America, that God had done, uh, the children of Israel had turned their back on their God. And so, as we look at the book of Daniel, we can see a lot of parallels in what was happening then and is what is happening now. The same pressures, the same things that Daniel faced... And what we'll look at tonight is the same things that we face as Christians. And so I love the Word of God, and I love how we can glean and we can understand how to properly act and react uh, because of the examples in which God has given us. And so tonight I want to look at this message titled, uh, Staying Undefiled When Under Pressure to Conform. Staying Undefiled when under pressure to conform Daniel here, he was under pressure to conform just like the other ones that they had brought in. To eat of the same meat, to drink of the same drink. And the ones that were pressuring him were ones that cared for him. They were ones that loved him, but they were also self-serving. They were afraid that the king would have their heads, if their countenance were changed uh, in, in a bad manner because they did not hearken unto their king. And so to stay undefiled when under pressure to conform. We face that today. We as Christians, we we face the decisions that Daniel faced, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you want to call them Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, however you want to say their names, we're under the same type of pressure that they were under in that day. The Bible tells us, and it's still true, albeit unpopular, that we are supposed to be a separate people. We are supposed to be a different people. We're not supposed to conform to this world, but we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're supposed to prove that which is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord. For, uh, 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 1 John two fifteen: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so what we have today is, is just as Solomon once said, There is nothing new under the sun. The pressures in which we face are the same pressures in which they faced back then. The only difference is, I don't know if there's any difference really at all, but the thing we have to settle in our mind is, how are we going to react? How are we going to react to it? Are we going to submit, or are we going to stand? And when we look at Daniel here, in what he faced in this situation, we see that, number one, Daniel, he stood fast. He stood he did not submit unto the pressures that were before him. And remember, this was... And it's important to understand that as we look at the pressures in which Daniel faced, the, uh, the, the leader of the eunuchs, he cared for him. He loved him. It's not like he came to him threatening him. He came to him and tried to talk Daniel into it. He came to him as a, uh, uh, almost in a meek manner and said, Look, I might die if you don't do this. And so he was pleading with Daniel. But we see in, in, in part of the reason and Daniel stood fast, number one is he purposed in his heart, verse number 8. You see, and Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. If you're going to stand fast, if you're going to stand against, instead of submit, if you're going to stay undefiled rather than be defiled, what you need to do is you need to have your heart right. You need to have purpose in your heart. You need to kind of come to that decision and make that decision and say, no, I'm not going to. I know the pressure's there. I know people really want me to. I know this is what all the crowd is doing. I know this is what everybody else is doing, but I'm going to make the decision not to. You need a purpose in your heart. If you don't do that, you never will. If you don't do, if you don't make that one, that first step, you will never. You will continue to submit. Remember this morning, I spoke about one of the things in which Satan wants to do with us Christians is to displace us. He wants to get us from where we are or or where we should be and move us elsewhere. We must stand fast, and in order to stand fast, we must purpose in our heart, just as Daniel did. Right here, First Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like young men, or excuse me, quit you like men, and be strong. In other words, man, be like a man. I don't, I don't understand this mentality. I don't understand this mentality that thinks Christianity's for sissies. I've never had someone say that to my face. Hey, Amen. I've just not had that. But that's the mentality that's going around. And and I think I I spoke with Brother White. I had this sticker. I used to have this sticker in my little S10 pickup, Real Men Love Jesus. I still believe that to be true. You know why? My Lord was a man. He was not a sissy as a lot of these Hollywood productions portray him to be. Man, I don't know how many sissies would go into a crowd of heathen and start overthrowing their table and casting them out and taking a whip. Uh, to a man. I don't know many sissies that would do that. Hey, my Lord was a man. Hey, Amen. He purposed in his heart. And then after he purposed in his heart, he, had, he devised a plan to carry it out. Verse number 8 again. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine in which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so he devised a plan in which to carry out the purpose in which he had made. He didn't just make that decision and then everything fall into place. If you're going to purpose in your heart not to defile uh, yourself, if you're going to purpose in your heart to stand fast in the faith, if you're going to purpose in your heart to uh, quit you like a man, listen, you need to devise the plan and how to carry that out. Let me give you an illustration. I, uh, let's say I wanted to be a millionaire. Let's say I wanted to be a millionaire. Then uh, I I can purpose that in my heart. Man, I'm going to be a millionaire. I don't really care to be a millionaire. I wouldn't hate it if I was. But I've never purposed in my heart to be a millionaire. Because if I had, if I had, I'd change my life. I'd look at my life and I'd say, well, listen... Uh, preaching about Satan <laughs> and about being holy and stuff—that surely is not going to make me a millionaire. So I probably need to change how I preach. And uh, you know, probably just being a preacher altogether, unless you know you're you're some of the. The ones on on TV that'll tell anybody what they want to hear, they'll tickle the ears. I mean, that ain't going to make you a million dollars anyway. So probably what I need to do is I need to choose a different profession. Maybe I need to be a lawyer or a banker or a stockbroker or doctor or something like that. Maybe at that point I could could be a millionaire. And so then if I was going to do that, then I'd have to go to school and I'd have to do this and I'd have to do that. I mean, you think about it. Even people that play uh, the lottery, they purpose to be a millionaire. They have a plan to carry it out. It's a bad plan, amen, it's a bad plan. But they have some type of plan to carry that out. Now I've said this before and I'll say it again, church, and that is you will never be holy in this world on accident. You'll never do it. You'll never purpose to do anything for God on accident. It must be, it must be settled in your heart. The double minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're straddling the fence, you're going to get hurt. And so you must purpose in your heart. Just like uh, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, or yeah, Sunday school lesson this morning, when the, uh, uh, Moses came down off the mount and, and he said, Man, whoever's on the Lord's side, you come over here. Children of Levi, they went. They purposed in their heart, they said, Man, we're going to go ahead and serve the Lord. We're not going to serve our our brothers and sisters. In fact, if we have to slaughter our brothers and sisters, that's exactly what we're going to do. Why? Because God is more important than even our family. And so you see, uh, Daniel here, he stood fast. He stood fast. And the way he stood fast was he purposed it in his heart, and he, he devised a plan to carry it out. He began to talk to the uh, prince of the eunuchs and to explain to him why it was he wanted to do what he was. And then he he said, well, listen, just give us 10 days. And so he devised this plan. Secondly, to stay undefiled when you're under pressure to conform, we see that he did survive this temptation. He did survive this temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, listen, I face the same temptations you do. You face the same temptations I do. You will face the same temptations as they, and they will face the same temptations as you. There's, we, we, don't, we don't have some special set of circumstances And so that's why it's so important. Why is it that some people live a holy and righteous life? And why is it some people succumb to the wiles of Satan? Well, number one, they purposed in their heart and they made a plan to, to carry that out. Daniel survived this temptation. It was presented unto him. It was before him, but yet he did not succumb unto it. He survived it. What temptations is it? Uh, that we choose. Well, let me read this, uh, finish reading this scripture. No temptation hath taken you that such is common unto man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from my idolatry. There is no temptation that will ever that we will ever face, that we have no choice but to succumb to it. God has made that clear. Any temptation that we face, that we succumb to, that we submit to, is a temptation we are are indulging in by our own free will. Daniel survived the temptation... He stood fast. He purposed in his heart. He made that plan to carry it out, and so therefore he survived it. What temptations is it that that we are going to be tempted with? What Daniel was tempted with? Well, number one, the temptation of pleasure. I don't know about you. I can only speak for myself. And that I can tell you this. The king's meat sounds a whole lot better than vegetables. See, when, whenever we buy meat, we get what's on special, <laughs> right? We get, we get the, the best buy. My wife does not, when she goes to the grocery store and, and necessarily have a plan to say, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get this. Part of her plan is going to see what's on special. <laughs> and so, the king's meat, man, it was choice meat. It was not the meat that was on special. But it was the good stuff. And I don't know about you. I like the good stuff. I I enjoy good meat. I enjoy good steak. I I enjoy all that stuff. I would imagine Daniel's flesh would have enjoyed that stuff. But yet he chose to abstain from it. He chose to abstain from it. And so he was tempted just like you and I. He he faced that same temptation of the flesh, that temptation of pleasure. But here's the thing. Something I've learned. Anybody, anybody ever been to a steakhouse? Raise your hand. Any everybody, everybody got good steak? Raise your hand. Everybody had good steak? How long does that steak satisfy? My memories do not fill my belly. Right? That $20 steak at $30 steak only lasts for a little while only lasts for a little while but the money's gone forever amen it's gone forever and so when we look at this temptation of pleasure daniel could have submitted he could have he could have defiled himself but he chose not to he stood fast he purposed in his heart and he made a plan to carry it out. but that's not the only temptation that he faced That's not the only temptation that he faced. He faced others with this as well. The other one that I want to point out, or another one anyway, is the temptation of inclusion. He wanted... No one likes to be cast off or to be different. Nobody wants to be looked at by the majority being in the minority as a weirdo, right? Nobody desires that. I don't know anybody that desires that. It just really says, man, I hope everybody thinks I'm an idiot. I don't know anybody that, that says, man, I hope everything, everybody thinks I'm just crazy. Nobody really think, wants that. They want to be included. They, want to be, they don't want to be the last one picked for the uh, baseball game. They want to be included. It's kind of in our fleshly nature. And so here it was. Daniel was making the decision that was going to exclude him. It was going to make him different than all the rest. It was going to make him separate from all the rest. Don't you think that Daniel had that same fleshly desire as every one of us that, man, we don't want to be cast off. We don't want to be looked at as being odd. We want to be included. We want to be like everybody else. But let me tell you what. Being like everyone else in this society is not a good thing for a Christian. It's not. It's a bad thing. Why? Why? Because the majority of our society are following after their flesh. They're following after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And so to be like that is not becoming unto God. Daniel made the decision that rather than being included, rather than having that fleshly security that a group of people could give him, he was going to go ahead and go with the security that God offered. He was going to go ahead and just be holy. He made the choice to be holy. That was another temptation that he faced. He faced the temptation of pleasure. He faced the temptation of inclusion. And uh, he faced the temptation of assimilation as well. And so Daniel stood fast. And we see that Because he stood fast, he survived that temptation. Next, I want to look and see that the reason he survived the temptation wasn't solely because he stood fast, but because he simply relied on God and God's ability to sustain them and their countenance. The Bible says, Verse number 12, he says, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. God, uh, Daniel, was, Daniel was confident in the fact that if he forsook what the world had to offer, what Satan had to offer, and he chose what God offered, and he kept himself undefiled, that God would sustain him. God would sustain him. Now, vegetables, I'm sure, can sustain vegetables and water. That, that can sustain a person just fine. But I want you to understand that it wasn't just the vegetables that sustained Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it was God. Amen. The Bible tells us in Psalms 46:1, God is our refuge and strength, our, our very present help in trouble. Later on, Later on, here in Daniel chapter 3, we'd see one of my favorite chapters, most favorite chapters in Scripture. Daniel chapter 3, where you have the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had made that decree where all the land at the sound of the flute and the sackbuck and the heart and trump and all that stuff, when they, when they heard that sound, they had to bow down to this golden stature in which Nebuchadnezzar the king had, had, um, had set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know what they did? They didn't bow down. They didn't bow down. And uh, they said this. They said this to the king in verse number 17 of Daniel 3. They said, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Daniel relied on God. Daniel was the leader here. Daniel relied on God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego relied on God. And this was something that continued throughout all of their lives. They relied on God. I don't know how many of us have been faced with death. Faced with death that by our own choice we could have avoided. But those boys were. Those boys were faced with the option of facing a burning, fiery furnace where they would be cast in and baked alive. Or bowing down to a dead, fake idol. Many Christians today, you know what I believe their choice would be? Their choice would be this. Listen, I'll go ahead and bow down. I'll go ahead and bow down because you know what? God knows my heart. God knows my heart. And, and, and He knows that, that while physically I'm bowing down, my heart is not bowing down. And so therefore, you know, I can can satisfy. I mean, it's just a dead idol anyway. It doesn't mean anything. I'll go ahead and bow down to this. Because God knows my heart. Many would make that decision. And let me tell you what, that'd be the absolute wrong decision. It'd be the wrong decision. Why? Because God just does not care about your heart. He cares about us completely. He does care about the actions of our hands. He does care about uh, our feet and where they should go. He does care about what our eyes behold and what our ears hear. He does care about all of that stuff. So anyway, we see that Daniel relied on God for his sustenance. He relied on God to make sure that as he went by the Scriptures... And abstained from defiling himself that God would make a way for him, and God did their faces were were fatter and and had a better countenance than all of those that were partaking of the uh, king's meat second corinthians nine eight says and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, and that having Uh, All sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Ephesians 3.20 says, uh, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Church, I want to encourage you in this. And that is, I have a great record book of instances... In which God made a way. Amen. I mean time and time and time and time again. God's children would, would be in a, a certain place. And God would provide. God's children would make a mistake. And then, and then say God I'm sorry. And turn back unto him. And God would redeem them. Whether it was through the parting of the seas. Or, or whatever it was. man, God is able And he's just as able today in 2020 as he was in uh, 1000 BC. He's just as able today. I have a great record book that tells me that. I have experiences in which I know that there is no way that that it could have happened outside of God. And I have seen, I have witnessed in the lives of of people how God has uh, done mighty and great things that, Science can't explain. Uh, the world can't explain. No man can explain. But hey, God is still able. Amen. Why? He's our transcendent. He's our transcendent helper. Simply relied on God. And so Daniel stood fast. He survived that temptation because he simply relied on God. Next, we see that Daniel separated himself. Daniel separated himself. Not... In uh, n- not not unintentionally, uh, not actu- uh, not accidentally. He separated himself, uh, actually and intentionally. He was different. He made sure that he was different. Let me ask you this: how many uh, how many of you have ever went to pick out paint at like Lowe's or Home Depot? Anybody? Anybody <coughs> ever went to pick out paint? <coughs> When you went to pick out that paint, and you say, I want, you know, you can't go in there and say, I want blue, because they have about 600 colors of blue, right? You can't go in there and say, I want, you know, off white. Why? Because there's about 6,000 off whites. I, I came in here and I tried to get some paint to match this to paint the vestibule area out there, and I know I brought back about 20 different samples that were close to that right? And I had to hold them up there and, and, and and you know, looking at it in the store, it looked, all of them looked like they could have been that color. And if I bring it back here and then I'm having to hold them up and try to decide which one is matches the best and all that stuff. When you see a group of Christians, it should not be that you have to analyze them closely to see what Shade they are. You know why? It's because the things of God and the things of this world are as far apart as the east is from the west. Now, I don't know about you. I've been born again. I've been purchased by the blood of Christ. That makes me different. That makes me different than the heathen. makes me different from lost people. And I don't say that in arrogance. Why? Because it was nothing I did that saved me. He saved me. But because he did, and because I have been born again, I have a different eternal home. I am different altogether. I have been transformed. The chains that bound me unto sin have been broken. I'm altogether different. So therefore, if you, if you were to see me, and if you were to watch me, and the way I act, and the words I speak, and the things I do, it ought to be absolutely different. Not simply by shades than what the heathen do, what the lost do. There should not be a question who my father is when they look at me. But I'll say this, and it goes back to the very first point. Daniel stood fast, right? Why did he stand fast? He purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart that it was going to. And church, listen, you will not live holy in an unholy world without purposing in your heart. Daniel did that. He separated himself. He was not afraid to be different. And then lastly here. Because he had separated himself, he relied on God. He survived that temptation. We see lastly that he set an example. I had talked about uh, number one under the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I talked about, I talked about them a little bit ago. But it's important that they are, they are a, a vital part of this story. If you read this, uh, this account you'll see that they did not talk to the chief of the eunuchs. They did not plead with him. And it, it didn't even say that they had purposed in their heart to do this. Daniel did. Daniel was the leader. And so here it is. Daniel, Daniel said, I, I can't do that. I'm not going to go... If it's gonna cost me my life, it's gonna cost me my life. Why? Because God's more important than man. I'm just gonna go ahead and stick with God. I'm not gonna go with man. I'm gonna purpose in my heart. I'm gonna do what is right. I can't defile myself with the king's meat. But Daniel, everybody else is doing it, Daniel. And, and listen, if you don't do it, they might kill me. And what I can't do that. I tell you what, if if you'll just bring me, if you'll just bring me pulse, bring me vegetables. Just give me that and water. I don't want his wine. I don't want his meat. You bring me that and water. And you just check back in 10 days and see if, if, if I look bad. You check back in 10 days and see if, if doing what is right shows to be wrong. Daniel's the one that did that. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were there. They saw it all. And then we look just two chapters later when all of the land has been told to bow down under this golden image in which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. They had, all, they had all been told that if they don't bow down they'll be cast in this burning fiery furnace. And I already read you what the reply was. Now why did they do that? Why did they have the courage to stand up against a burning fiery furnace when they didn't even say anything about not partaking of the king's meat and drink. You know why? Because they saw the example in Daniel. They saw Daniel. He said, man, look at, did you, did you see what Daniel did? Look at where we are. Man, isn't God good? Look at what happened. They saw an example in Daniel. And because they saw that example in Daniel, they weren't afraid to be different. They weren't afraid while everybody else bowed down, they stood upright. When everybody else was afraid of that burning, fiery furnace, man, they just had faith in God. They weren't afraid because they saw an example. Church, I want to tell you what. We got a house full of kids downstairs that are looking unto us as examples. They're looking unto us. We're their example. And we're either, going to, we're either going to have enough about us to stand fast in the faith, and they can look to us and they can say, Hey, Daddy did that. I remember, I remember when everybody else wanted to do this, but yet Daddy didn't. I'm going to go ahead and be like that. Or, hey, preacher didn't. Preacher, as Bobby calls me. Pasta. That's it. Pasta. Pasta. Daniel set an example. But you know, it wasn't even just two the three Hebrew boys. He set an example to all those later on. I think it's maybe Daniel chapter 9. I'm not 100% sure. But the king then had set a decree. that if anybody prayed unto any other god, they'd be cast into the lion's den. And the reason the king set the decree was because all of these people, they were jealous of Daniel. They were jealous of his position. They were absolutely ungodly. And what they said, if you read that account, is this. "We'll get the king to do this. Why? Because they knew Daniel would pray. Regardless of what decree was out there, regardless of what is signed, Daniel's going to pray. And if we can just get the king to do this, man, Daniel's going to pray. We know he's going to. And so therefore, that's what we'll do. He was an example. Even the heathen knew that he was going to serve his God no matter what. And he did. And he did. Man, the decree went out, sealed with the king's signet. Daniel unashamedly went into his room, opened the windows, made sure everybody knew he was not going to submit to a false god. Why? God had already proved himself. Amen? God had already proved himself time and time and time again in the life of Daniel. And so he was an example unto the three Hebrew boys. He was an example unto his contemporaries. Lastly here, church, he is an example unto us today. He is an example unto you and I. We can look at Daniel here We can look at his life. We can look at his decisions. And God blessed him. God blessed him. God did wonderful things with Daniel and through Daniel. He is somebody we can look to for help. An example of what a Christian, one that fears God and eschews evil, one that uh, loves God and hates evil... Of of what they should be. We can look unto him. In our world today, I don't know if you know it, but in in our world today, you know who our children are looking to for their examples and their mindsets and what they should believe? They're looking to the idiots down at at Hollywood. They're looking to those those people out there who have absolutely no clue about anything. Dancing monkeys. Amen. That's what they are. They're for entertainment only. But yet they have such high highfalutin opinions on how we ought to think. They make sure and tell everybody, and our children are listening to that. That's their example. Say, hey, I just want to go ahead and be the example for my child. I want my child to look at me as the example. I don't want to be influenced by that stuff out there. But you know what? We've got to be different if we're going to be an example. We've got to be different. If we're if if we're the same as them, we are no example. So as we look to Daniel here, staying undefiled when under the pressure to conform. I, I have no doubt that everybody in here at some point, at some point in in our lives are under pressure to be like everybody else, to live like everybody else, to think like everybody else. That is the easy road. The, the road I am preaching about, the road that Daniel took, that is the hard road. Make no mistake. It's not easy. It's not easy to stand up to wickedness in a, in a wicked world. It's not easy to turn, turn away wickedness in a wicked world. It's not easy to serve God in a godless world. But it's still right. And I'm glad that there's still some. I mean, listen, there wasn't, there wasn't many in Daniel's day. Just like there's not many today that will. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to purpose in my heart to stay undefiled in this defiled world. Amen. I'm to, I, I, I want to purpose in my heart to live the life that God would have me to as opposed to the one that man is pressuring me to. And I hope you do as well.